and welcome to the Valiant Central Podcast. Just Martin today, but with a special guest, because joining me on this episode of the podcast is Alejandro Arbona. Of course, we've had Alejandro on previously before Dr. Tomorrow came out, and as of the release of this episode, the final issue of the series came out. So he and I got a chance to sit down and talk about the book. Obviously, I loved it. Otherwise, I wouldn't be doing this for a second time. And we got really deep into what this book is about. So I hope you will enjoy the conversation because I think this book is highly, highly underrated. And uh, I know that many of you will enjoy it. If you have kids, share it with your kids because I know that they will enjoy it as well. Without further ado, here's my chat with Alejandro, and I'll be back at the end. Alejandro, welcome back. Thank you. The last time we did this, it was spoiler-free. Yes. So now it is spoiler-filled. I love it. I love it. Uh, yeah, I'm glad we are uh, getting a chance to talk now that the book is fully out. Um, I actually – I was talking to the guys, my co-host, last night. Uh, we recorded something we're going to add to this uh, after the interview, and uh, and we all really enjoyed it. I, I actually reread all five issues back-to-back, and uh, it, it, it was a treat, man. It was – it's one of the most fun comics that I've read in a while, so I want to thank you for that because I, I, I appreciate not having uh, – dire comics all the time everyone's doing post-apocalyptic stuff and i love it but i want some fun stuff too you know well thank you i appreciate you saying that yeah um, no problem yeah you know it was like i just wanted to write the comic that i would have fun with uh and like i've said before a number of times we were you know valiant and i both were looking for like really kind of a uplifting sort of uh, aspirational kind of feeling and just a fun good time yeah, that's kind of what oh, I was yeah, telling. It came through that way. That's what I was telling the guys last night. It's like this is this is one of the few comics, and I think we talked about this when when you were on last time, uh, where I had this feeling that it would be this way. But it's one of the few comics that I feel like I'd be able to share with my kids, because uh, I love the hell out of it. But with the main character being so young, and just the the whole attitude of the book being so fun, uh, I think it's definitely something that they would enjoy. So props to you on that. Uh, and I think I think with Thank this you. character in particular, I, it works really well, you know. Thanks. I mean, that makes me really, really happy to hear that that uh, you know, there's there's the comic I wanted to write, but you never know how that's going to come across to readers or anything. So that, so for it to come through with you know pretty much the best the the goal like I the the best I could have hoped for is for people to receive it this way. So that's just very very gratifying to hear. Yeah, yeah. And I think I think you did a good job at uh, kind of doing a little something for for both ends, for a younger demographic and for you know an, an older Valiant fan like myself. Uh, so I, I gotta ask you a hard hitting question off the bat relating to that. How did sure. you get How did you get this man at the Adam joke past editorial? Oh, um, I put you know what's uh, I put it in there in the first draft of the script, and it was one of those things that I put in thinking. They'll never let me. They'll say no. They'll never <laughs> let me do this. And uh, and then you know I sent it to Robert and he got back to me and he said I I oh well, I specifically told him oh there's a joke there on page one that you're not gonna that you're not gonna let fly and he got back to me right away and he said I like it let's just <laughs> run it up a flagpole <laughs> he said I like it let me just run it up a flagpole and of course they did whatever they have to you know they 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 talked about it internally I guess and they were like yeah it's fine it's harmless. <laughs> Uh, I, lo- I, I, I loved it because, you know, it's it's really hard to tell like a time travel story that's not just like a typical time travel story. 
because everyone does the same thing, right? Like you, you find some clutch thing where you can go back in time and fix whatever you broke. Uh, but the way you did it, I thought was really unique in using Bart's character in this like training montage issue to grow up and learn how to be, uh, I mean, in, in essence, to be like a, a real human adult uh, that's not flawed like other versions of himself. But but to learn to be a hero, I mean, he when he comes through that, he doesn't he doesn't change. He doesn't fundamentally change. He's still the same Bart. He's just like Gretchen told him. He you know she t- she advises him be yourself better, and that's that's it. Like he still has the same personality flaws that the other Bart does. He mm-hmm. could still turn out as, as the other Bart does. He's just actively working to not be that way, and that applies. I think that applies to all of us. Like we all have our our worst tendencies and our best tendencies. And every day, you know, we make choices to either be the best we can be or, to, you know, or to try to always just aspire to be a little better. Or you could be lazy and just and just give in to your worst impulses and, you know, be your most selfish self or your most angry self. And that that's just the choice that he makes is not... He's really not changing his... He's not changing the nature of his character in any way. He's just making a decision to be this way, not that way. Yeah, I thought it was cool that like even Gretchen's personality was really just an extension of what she was as a kid from what we saw in the first issue, um, because she still got this like really strong scientific-minded personality, but she knows at least in that timeline how things turned out with Bart. I mean, the the way we discussed that last night was kind of Bart doesn't have a parental figure growing up, right? His his parents are kind of whatever. Bart's Bart's there. Let's just just let Bart do whatever he wants to do, and uh, and he doesn't have somebody to like show him really what to do, and and I think as a young kid that really draws him to Gretchen because she does seem so well grounded, and and I love the fact that as an adult she's able to provide that same direction for him. Yeah, have you read you have you read issue number five yet? Yes. So there's uh, I guess this will this will be the issue will be out by the time that this goes online, so I'll talk about it, spoiler filled, but there's a moment in number five, you just said that he has, like, no parental figure in his life, there's a moment in number five, which, you know, which meant a lot to me personally, which is that his his dad, you know, his dad was a really absent dad, Right. and then when they have their little, like, moment of reconciling, the dad basically reveals, like, I just didn't know how to, how to be, you know, he thought yeah. he was, he thought he was trying to be the best dad he could by, by trying to provide you know, the things that he thought his son needed, which was, which was, you know, he basically just needed a living and needed to be provided for. But he wasn't really, like you said, uh, very true. He, he wasn't, the dad wasn't really there emotionally for his son. And of course his mom had died. So he, yeah, like you said, he, he kind of had absent parental figures. And then when, when his adult future self comes along, you know, he's, he, that's sort of like a surrogate dad for him. Sure. Which is one of the things that, really appealed to me about this story is that is that he you know kind of gets to see the promise of the man that he might grow into and he thinks it's great and then he discovers that it's not great and he comes away from it with that sense that maybe a lot of us have had of like I'll never turn into my parents you know like I'll never be that that person and uh, that's the thing you know some of us are lucky enough to have parents that we admire and you and you might aspire to be like them but for a lot of people you go through life being that kind of like, oh, I'll never be that way. I'll never be how how my parents were. And then you grow up and you discover that they were just doing the best they could, you know, <laughs> and they were 
like being the adult they they thought they knew how to be. And it's not that easy to to just you know decide not to be that way or whatever. So it's all part of I think his his journey of maturation. I mean that's the thing is this is a a, a rock'em sock'em like superhero story, but at the same time it's a kind of a heartfelt drama about about growing up and learning to be an adult and learning to be a better adult. That's why I I really like Bart as a superhero because you know, oftentimes when you get superhero stories it's just like. Let's go get the bad guy, and and obviously, like as, as comic readers, we love that, right? We we want good to triumph over over evil or whatever. Uh, but but to have character with so much personality as Bart has, and and you're right, I I really related to that because my dad was in some ways similar to this, right? He he worked two jobs my entire life, and he did the best he could to be there for me, and I understood that. Uh, but I never expected mm-hmm. like a deep emotional connection with my dad uh, until much later on in life. And I became an adult and my mom passed away is when my dad and I kind of had sort of like a reconciliation moment. And and so for me, it was cool to see that in a comic because like it's real life stuff. You know what I mean? And and I appreciated it yeah. quite a bit. I also started out on this story with the kind of, a, you know, the knowledge of so many comic books, so many superheroes are like have some kind of dad issue you know like so many comics are written by are written by men who may or may not have had their own dad issues and and you know they put they they encode all of that into the stories i mean who knows i'm just speculating but <laughs> but you know when you read stories when you read stories like you know spider-man is all about letting down his his father figure and uncle ben right and and you know you've got characters like iron man or whatever they're all they're always kind of like trying to live up to the legacy of their dad or defy their their dad in some way or that kind of thing so when i started out you know just with the bare bones idea of this character one of the things that i deliberately brought to it was let's let's try to invert this this fatherhood issue that so many comic book superheroes have where we will explicitly make it about uh, uh, an absent dad or a toxic dad or something like that, but then, but then demonstrate a process of like breaking that cycle or something. Yeah, no, for sure. Uh, or, you know, or trying to find an alternate way of not just of not just perpetuating the same, um, the same uh, toxicity, so to speak. Do you see this Bart? I mean, I don't know what the plans are for the future, and we'll get to that later on. But do you see this Bart kind of uh, heading? into the direction as the other Dr. Tomorrow or Hadrian uh, went to, would he, based on the experience that he had in this alternate timeline with Gretchen, uh, or maybe just a different time, I'm not, I'm not sure <laughs> what the, the actual timeline is, uh, but, but based on his experiences, will he turn into somebody like those people, or is simply having this experience kind of preventing him from doing that? But no, it's like like Doctor Tomorrow, like the first Doctor Tomorrow says to him when they have their heart to heart in the in the prisoner transport. You know, in the in the first issue, Bart sees this adult Doctor Tomorrow, and he says, "Well, I'm going to become you." And that Doctor Tomorrow tells him, "Well, you haven't become me yet." Right. Right. You know, and a kind of aspirational work hard and 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 you'll turn out a superhero like me. And then in the fifth issue, they they kind of replay that moment where. Bart tells him defiantly, I've, I've made a choice, I didn't turn into you, I haven't become you. And that doc tells him, no, you haven't become me yet. Which yeah. is, that that menace is always there. Like I said earlier, Bart undergoes this kind of emotional journey, but he doesn't fundamentally change. You know, I, 
I always maintain that that people in real life and characters and stories they don't they don't really change. People aren't really capable of change. They are capable of of growth. You know, you're capable of you can you can learn lessons and adapt and you can grow. But at the at at the heart of you, you're still going to be the same person. There's no changing that. So that's kind of what Bart has gone through. He has grown and he has learned to make a choice to be better, and he will continue to to make that choice. But that's a choice that he has to make every day for the rest of his life. He constantly has to choose to be the better person. And again, that's the thing that I think applies to all of us. Yeah. So I don't mind telling you this. If we do get to do more Dr. Tomorrow, one of the fundamental... This was his origin story, and now he exists as that new superhero, Dr. Tomorrow. But one of his fundamental challenges to overcome going forward will always be that the, the, the will he or won't he of will he start to abuse his power? Will he start to succumb to anger, you know, when things get really tough and maybe his fuse becomes short, is he going to resort to violence as quickly and, and as ragefully as he did when he was a kid mm-hmm. or as or as he has in his, the other version of him do? Um, I... But we're also hopefully going to have some inversions on that. Like, uh, like I, again, I don't mind teasing this. If we do get to do more Doctor Tomorrow, the guy that you see the original Dr. Tomorrow that you see go into custody, he's still going to stick around as a supporting character, and Bart is going to go like visit him sometimes, and they're going to have a kind of a Hannibal Lecter relationship where he'll talk to him like in his cell. And it's essentially the same guy, you know, two versions of the same guy talking to each other. Right. With the contrast, their contrasting personalities of, of different choices they've made. Um, but there's a lot that they can learn from each other, and not, it's not just a one-way street; it's a two-way street. They can they can learn a lot from each other, and that's a relationship that I am really excited to explore in a future story if we can. Yeah, I like the I like the the deep-seated like moral choices that have to be made at all times in this book. Uh, even with like Hadrian, for example, uh, you know he he's obviously meant to be one of the bad guys in the story, right? He's trying to destroy multiple universes. Um, but this may go a little bit into what you said about you don't actually change, you just grow. Uh, he he actually has like a somewhat decent uh, like base for why he wants to do what he's doing, right? Like granted, he's basically going to place himself as like emperor of the multiverse, so maybe that's not the best thing. But you know, he he talks a lot about having to crack a few eggs basically to to get to your goal, right? Uh, you know, some universes have cured cancer and some have done this, some have that. So why can't we share that knowledge among these different universes and make them all a better place? And and granted, maybe the methodology is not the best, um, but there is some you, – you can see some goodness maybe like deep inside of him that led him to make this choice. And and I like that a lot as well. You know, you talked about Spider-Man. This is one of the things that makes Spider-Man usually a, a fun character to read is that he also deals a lot with these moral choices that are not very easy to come up with a good answer for. Yeah, absolutely. I think for Bart, Hadrian existed as a kind of a as a cautionary tale. He, like you said, he he did have good intentions and he was trying to be heroic and he was doing something that he thought was going to help people and make people's lives better, but he is the he is the endpoint like he is the furthest out endpoint of what will happen on that slippery slope if you start to make the easy choice again and again and again you know like like if Bart didn't 
if Art wasn't careful with himself, he would turn into Dr. Amaro. But as we saw with Dr. Amaro, he would eventually turn into Hadrian. Right. And like, if you, don't, if you don't make that choice to turn the right way, to do good, uh, even if your ends are noble, you're going to, you know, you're going to do things the, vi- the quick way or the violent way or the angry way. And it doesn't matter how good your intentions are. By the end, you're going to turn into this, you know, this villainous monster. There's a, there's a, I really should look up where this came from because I quote it all the time, but there's a phrase that people talk about sometimes, which is that the logical endpoint of superheroes is fascism. Mm. And it's this theory that, like, if you are a superhero and you have power to simply exercise your will and change the world, maybe you'll start out by doing good things, you'll help people and whatever, but, but little by little you will start to, you know, you'll pursue your enemies and you will over-police and you will um, impose your own version of what you think is good on other people who might not agree with it, you know. So there's this mentality that superheroes on a long enough timeline would eventually become fascism. I don't necessarily uh, truck with that. I I, I disagree with it partially. I, I think when you look at characters like Superman or Captain America, those are characters where the whole message is that they have greater power than other people, but they wield it with humility and with selflessness, and they wield it on behalf of people who are powerless. Right. And that is more like, that's, that's power that's used in defiance of fascism. That's power that's used on behalf of the little guy, not, not you know, to oppress. So I would say that a truer version of that statement about the logical endpoint is that when characters exercise like a power fantasy, you know, when you are when you are the version of Bart who becomes Dr. Tomorrow, and he has that little speech in issue five, the original Dr. Tomorrow, has that little speech where he says um, that you will discover that you alone have the power to change the world, and when you use it, none of them can stop you. Like, that's a power fantasy. That is, that's like unbridled, I can change the world. So my, my belief of that, of that philosophy of the logical endpoint is that it's not superheroes, it's a power fantasy. When you when you have a power fantasy to exercise your will upon the world, yeah, the logical endpoint of that is fascism. But here I wanted to kind of uh, ex- uh, unpack that and show that it's that's not necessarily the case. If you if you use power the way that Bart R. Bart learns to do it, you know, then you will defy that stereotype and you will use it on behalf of other people with selflessness, like I said, with humility. Yeah. Um, you know, not on behalf of yourself and your vision of the world, but on uh, you know on behalf of the greater good. Yeah, I think uh, you mentioned Superman. They they've played around a lot with that with Superman in particular because he is so powerful, right? And and I think there's some really good stories that come out of that. Like Red Sun is one of my favorites, and that plays a lot with that theme of you know well what if mm-hmm. um, and some of the other multiverse stories mm-hmm. at DC. Uh, yeah, that's uh, it's it's interesting, and and I like that Bart is kind of a Superman character, because we don't really have that within Valiant itself, right? Most of the Valiant characters are kind of tech based and kind of ground level, and and Bart isn't that, really that at all. This might be, uh, I'm not 100 percent sure about this, but this might be the first Valiant character ever to wear a cape, <laughs> at least in. At least, in the, at least in the modern Valiant universe, because in the old Valiant universe, you had the visitor; he wore a cape. Sure. But I can't think. I can't think of any others. I, I haven't been. I haven't checked it very thoroughly, but I. I don't think there are any characters that wear a cape uh, necessarily, aside from the visitor, the original visitor. But yeah, this is. Um, yeah, to your exactly. You you made the you made that point exactly that this character 
never really existed in the Valiant universe before. I always say that that um, if anything, Faith was your character who was kind of aspirational, noble, mm-hmm. morally upstanding. But Faith is more of an every every person, you know. Like Faith is a character that we relate to because we see ourselves in her. We don't we don't aspire to be like Faith because she's not elevated, you know. She's not a sort of a aspirational, for lack of a better word, you know, godlike sort of. She's more of a Spider-Man than a Superman, I would right, say. Right. We relate to her. We don't aspire to. We don't aspire to that level. We can see ourselves being like her. She's she's a comic book fan, and she's a you know, total fangirl, and she gets excited about the things that she loves. And when we read those stories, we're like, "Yeah, that's that's me." But a character that you that you that you look up to and would aspire to be like, and represents a kind of an unattainable moral goal, or not even unattainable, just you know, the character that inspires you to make the choice to be better, to try to aspire to be that way. The Valiant Universe never really had that before that I that I know of. And, and, of course, that's not a knock. It's just that the Valley Universe is a lot of very realistic characters who are morally gray mm-hmm. the way that we in real life are. So I wanted to kind of apply that, that morally gray thing to a realistic Valiant-type character, but then at the same time show that character actually striving to a higher morality and achieving it, which is the process, I think, that, the, that Bart uh, goes through during the course of this story and that so I'm I'm curious if you can if you can explain something a little bit to me. Maybe it's it's got to do a little bit with what we're talking about now in terms of having this inspirational character, um, because you have a lot of other characters from the Valiant universe that show up in the series, and I mean they don't really play a, a prominent role. They're just kind of there. Um, but but one thing that I found interesting was when Doctor Tomorrow shows up. And you know they gather this team. He just takes complete control, and no one even bats an eye. Um, and and I found that a little surprising, in particular with certain characters like uh, you know Capshaw and Gilad and, and Exo, who are used to kind of being at the forefront and leading these teams. And and maybe it's just the fact that the universe didn't have somebody like this that was so commanding and ready to take action. And and it di- it didn't bother me at all. It just it caught me by surprise when I first caught wind of it. I was like, huh, I wonder why that was done in this fashion. And uh, I- I'm curious if you could just say a little bit to that. There are a lot of answers to that question. It's kind of a it, it's kind of a situation that coalesced from serving a lot of different goals. One goal in particular we wanted was that if a supervillain this dangerous shows up and the entire universe is at stake, the heroes of the Valiant Universe are not going to do nothing. They're right. going to be there. You know, like they're going to they're going to come and take part. But at the same time we had a challenge which was that we can't make them protagonists in, in this story. Like they this is not their story. They're going to be there because this is their world to take care of. But the you know, if we started to explore their personalities and their and their and you know, and who's going to be in charge and how are they going to negotiate this uh, strategy and all of that it, it got us too far away from this is essentially a very small story. It's about Bart on a very emotional level, a very intimate level. You know, like the key scenes of this comic are are like Bart talking with his friend Gretchen, Bart having a phone call with his dad. And if you start to focus on, you know, uh, Capshaw and, and, and Exo and Gilad 
you know, putting their heads together and strategizing, you're kind of getting away from the real story here, which is Bart. So yeah. That was another another factor in that, you know, and how and why that played out that way. Another factor, just to put it in realistic terms, was the real estate of it. We we only had you know just 20 pages per issue, five issues. We had to get through this stuff really really speedily. So there was uh, a lot of stuff we couldn't really flesh out um, to uh, to you know to a degree to 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 explain everything really thoroughly. At the at the same time, it's not a thing that I think needs to be explained really thoroughly. You know, like, there's a story there. There's a, why, why, if somebody asked me why is Rex the Razor there, and I said, <laughs> there's a story for why he's there. There's a story for why he's there, we just don't know it. That story hasn't been told, you know, or like, uh, uh, how, how did they all, can, uh, how did they all um, come together so quickly? Well, there's that, that story exists, it, it's just happening off panel, we just don't know sure. it. It's not exactly it's not exactly relevant uh, for this. Another factor to you specifically asked about why Dr. Tomorrow is so commanding with all of them. The answer to that is is two reasons. One is a story reason, and one is a behind the scenes reason. Like what goes into the character. I mean, the story reason is because Dr. Tomorrow is the one who has seen this before, has dealt with it before, knows Hadrian, knows what to do. So he shows up, and he basically he shows up, and he says, "Okay, I I've fought this guy before." I'm gonna coach you through this, you know. Everybody, fall in. Report to me. That's kind of why that uh, goes that way. I, I think you see a little of that in in the first issue because he is bossing around all those all those alternate universe superheroes, mm -hmm. and you see a little you see a little of that when he kind of like gives the gives the pep talk to the Valiant heroes uh, when they're about to start fighting him at the end of issue two and issue and the beginning of issue three. The the character reason for why that happens that way is a little more subtle. It's to show you, it's to kind of key up like this is this is the this is the dark side of his personality starting to peek through. This is Bart, the person who is arrogant, you know, who is uh, who is uh, aggressive, brash, bossy. Like at first, you don't really notice that these are very very bracing, very like negative qualities because this is the way that superheroes behave and this is the way that people behave in battle. But when you start to examine it a little closer, you realize that he is not very good at the, you know, he's, he's trying to lead this army in this battle, but he's not a very good general. He doesn't get the best out of his people. He, you know, he's, he's, he's very, uh, he, he jumps to conclusions, but it's frequently the wrong conclusion. He's too quick to violence when other when other avenues might exist that might get a better result. Mm -hmm. So, the 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 why does he why is he so commanding and why is he so type A and and why does everyone just fall in with him is meant to kind of tee up this character twist, which is that oh yeah he's a jackass like he's a, <laughs> you know he's a he's a he's a jerk he's a he, he's a he's a bastard and uh, there was a there was a bit. A little behind the scenes uh, for you. There's a bit that we really didn't have the space to get to in issue five, which is that when R. Bart becomes the new Doctor Tomorrow, um, in my initial outline for how the final battle goes, he was actually going to be able to strategize with the Valiant heroes better. Mm. That was that was the thing that we were going to show a difference between them is that where the first Doctor Tomorrow was just bossy and barking orders and do as I say and do it quickly or whatever. 
the second Dr. Romaro was going to come in and be like, uh, he knew the people better. He was going to he was going to collaborate with them more. You know, he was going to get better uh, results out of it because he because he's better at at you know leading a team, not just not just overbearing, strong arming, barking orders, but actually being a real leader, a real manager, like a real or like a, the way a manager or a leader is supposed to be. But it was it was we've had to fit all of that into one issue. And like I said before, the really important stuff to get through was the emotional journey, the 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 dramatic arc for Bart. Uh, so that stuff had to take priority. But you know, that's all stuff that's there, the behind the scenes, like that's all there in the subtext and the characterization. So hopefully we could explore it more in future stories. Yeah, and I think you, you do a nice job of wrapping that like basically what this book was about in in that final scene when he's playing baseball with his friend and he's like, Yeah, you know, maybe I should change the symbol, like this guy was a jerk, blah blah blah. She's like and she's still being that mentor to him, even as you know, a teen. Uh, he's like, she's like, you know, you should own it. Just keep the symbol. Like, you're, you're Doctor Tomorrow. And he's like, hell yeah, I'm Doctor Tomorrow, and he flies off. I love that. That's yeah. like, that's a, a fantastic way to end it because it really wraps up the whole thing, um, and, and shows kind of the levels of growth that he's gone through. I mean, sure, it's been 20 years for him, uh, but not for anybody else. You know what I mean? And and I think that worked out really well. Yeah. Um, what what do you see as as Bart's place? within the Valiant universe. So I guess this kind of maybe talks a little bit about if if you get a chance to come back and do this book again, what are some of the things that you would like Bart to do in, in the place of the universe as a whole? That's a really big question, and <laughs> it's not a... Yeah, it's not really a bridge I've, I've quite crossed yet. I, I It's a bridge that I hope we get to cross, you know, at some point in the, in the near future, and it would be great to, to start to explore that. I, I can tell you that I've you know, and I, I talk about this because Robert already talked about this before, so I know that it's okay to, to tease, but I, I pitched a 12-issue follow-up, and I've outlined all of that, and it's mostly a solo, it's mostly like Dr. Tomorrow solo, and then every once in a while, uh, a story will have a, a, a valiant guest star. Like, there's a lot of, um, there's a lot of stuff still to explore for Bart with Neela, you know, I think they, they yeah. could have a future kind of professional uh, relationship, maybe even personal relationship, that is, uh, there's a lot there left to explore. This is another thing that I wanted to get to in this comic that we didn't really have the real estate for it, that we left it kind of as subtext. But part of the reason that uh, Bart gravitates toward Mila at the end is because, on the one hand, he already, you know, he met her as a kid and visited her in the lab and all of that, and they and they... He's seen, he's seen what she's made of. He knows that she's a hero, and he knows that she's good, so he trusts her. But there's also the fact that he recognizes that they have something in common, which is that she she also met an evil version of herself right. and didn't turn that way. So that's the thing that the two of them haven't, you know, she when they when he first meets, when Bart first meets Neela in the second issue, she kind of uh, sums up a little of her backstory, which is that there was an alternate reality version of Mila who became the leader of the Prometheans back in the events of Ivar Timewalker, yep. and she says, and she says that that's not how things turned out this time, and and he rem- Bart remembers that, and he admires her for it, and he knows that he could trust her, and so I think that's a thing that they have, that's a commonality between them that I hope we get to explore uh, more of in the future. See, that's a, see, you and should. 
You should also write a new Neela Time Walker book. Hey, don't think I haven't pitched it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I would love that actually. Uh, I, you know, and fingers, fingers crossed. Who knows? Who knows uh, if or what might still happen? Or you know, and there are certainly other things that Valley might have in, in development, unbeknownst to me. Sure. But yeah, I, I would love to. Uh, I would love to springboard some more Neela stories out of this as well. We'll see. It's yeah, that's not up awesome. to me. That's awesome. Uh, and by the way, I appreciated that you put Ginger in this book because I love – Ginger's my favorite character. My dog is named Ginger uh, after the, the oh. big robot. Yeah, 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 uh, which Robert I loved love that. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, I, I was happy to see Ginger in here, and I hope Bailey does some more with Ginger as well. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm happy to hear that. Ginger is one of my favorites as well. And the outline – the whole development process of this story went through uh, – a fair amount of changes, and like I said, some of it was just due to real estate. But at one point, there was a scene where an issue was going to open with Dr. Tomorrow and Bart meeting with Capshaw in basically like in a conference room, and it was going to look like, you know, it was going to look like weird out of place that Dr. Tomorrow and Bart are there like in costumes with capes on, but they're sitting at a conference room table, and they're talking with Capshaw. And then when the scene ended. Doc was just going to stand up and walk out of the room, and suddenly the at the far side of the room, it was just going to be like a cargo door, like a bay door opens, and it and it reveals that they were actually in the conference room aboard Ginger <laughs> in mid-flight. And that was a gag that I wanted to put in there, which was going to be an homage to uh, the opening scene from The Living Daylights, which is one of my favorite Bond <laughs> And yeah, the, the cargo door was going to open, and Doc was just going to fly out you know, mid mid journey, mid air, uh, awesome. which is a scene that you know we didn't have the space to get to, uh, and I wanted to put that scene in there because I really like Capshaw as well. I really like Capshaw and I really like Ginger, so I wanted to include that. But like I said, we just didn't have the space to flesh out a lot of that stuff. Well, so I, I I hope the I hope the twelve issue works out. <laughs> Thanks. Even though I've blown it by describing it, I hope I still get a chance to put it in a comic sometime in the future. Hey, it'd still be cool to see it, you know. It'd be awesome to see it. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna wrap things up here. I want to thank you for your time, Alejandro. You are you're an awesome person, and I, I love the book. I hope everyone gets a chance to pick it up and read it and enjoys it as much as I did. Well, thank you, Martin. Thank you for having me again. I yeah. love doing this. Absolutely, absolutely. So when you do the 12 issue, we'll have you back. Uh, anything else you want to uh, throw out there for people to check out? Um, no, I would just plug. You know, it's it's. Whether or not we get to do more is probably going to be contingent on like word of mouth and and it, it ultimately just comes down to sales. So hopefully we could get the trade to do well, you know. Yeah. So my 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 request to people would be if you have read the comic or if you're just curious about the comic, go call your comic shop, pre-order the trade, check it out, give it as gifts, and hopefully that way we get to do more. Thank you again, man. You are you are a treat. I love chatting with you. Thank you. You're the treat. And that's going to be it for this episode of the Valiant Central Podcast. Thank you again for listening. And thanks again to Alejandro and, of course, to Greg for setting the interview up. It was a real treat. I hope you will pick up Dr. Tomorrow if you have not yet. And, uh, you know, pre-order the trade because it reads really, really well when you read all the issues back to back. If you want to get in touch with us, you can, of course, find us on Twitter at The Great Magnet, at CollectValiant, at GeekBun, at Valiant underscore Central. The next episode will be out in a couple days. I was originally going to put it as one long episode, 
with the interview first and then our chat with the guys. So in a few days I'll put up the episode that includes a discussion between Travis, Dewan, and myself about Dr. Tomorrow and we dive into some other things with regards to the industry and how fandom is uh, seeing Valiant right now and a few other things. So I hope you'll enjoy that as well. Until next time! Stay Valiant, friends. Thank you.